Welcome to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. Did you know that listeners like you are helping to make these podcasts possible? Let us know that our podcasts are important to you by showing your support today. Visit stjosemaria.org slash give. Today in the podcast, To Jesus Through Mary. As we continue our celebration of the Christmas season, Father Peter Armenio, a priest of Opus Dei, reflects on Mary, the mother of God. He contemplates how the wise men and shepherds had to go through Mary to encounter Jesus Christ, and how Mary is also our shortcut to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Our act of faith in Jesus' true presence takes on a special meaning during this last day of the octave of Christmas and the first day of the new year that we begin with celebrating the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. And the focus of our prayer could be this idea of St. Jose Maria that was strongly reinforced by Blessed Alvaro, Mary as shortcut to adoration, a shortcut to Jesus. And the presence of the Eucharist squares very well with every feast, but especially the celebration of Christmas. In fact, the Holy Spirit doesn't usually explicitly command. He likes us to prayerfully figure out the lessons he is teaching us, the messages he's delivering to us. And the word Bethlehem, we're aware of that, is a Hebrew word meaning house of, of bread. And Christmas and the celebration of the octave and the celebration of today's feast with today's gospel invites us to Eucharistic adoration in a subtle way there is an allusion to the Holy Eucharist that Jesus Christ is implicitly called the bread of life and there's no room in the inn and Jesus is born and he's laid in a manger an apparatus from which Animals eat comes from the Latin word manducare. Manger is almost literally a French word, manger, which means to eat. And Act One of the Gospel, extremely significant for us, is a time of adoration analogous to our own adoration in front of the tabernacle. Because Jesus' divinity is hidden 
underneath is humanity. And it's especially hidden because Jesus really is a newborn baby. He's not what you see in the Renaissance paintings, the body of an eight-month-year-old with the face of a 20-year-old. It's really a baby who can't see and is really tiny and has tiny hands and he's cold and he's crying and he needs nourishment and he needs warmth and, you know, totally weak, totally defenseless. So that almost, his divinity is not only hidden by his humanity, his divinity is hidden by his infancy, his newborn infancy. And it serves as a preparation for Eucharistic adoration. And the whole reason why he is born is so that his love be revealed in the culmination of his life, and that is his death on the cross. He was born to die on the cross. And the whole gospel is condensed in the Christmas event. Even the passion is strongly predicted by the, all these symbols, the rejection being laid on wood, the wood of the manger. And there's a, someone who was describing a painting of uh, kind of a unique painting of the infant Jesus on a cross, not nailed to the cross, but lying on a cross. And there's a lot of artistic license, but there's a lot of theology there as well, because that's the reason for his birth. The whole gospel is contained there. It's important to always keep in mind that at the moment of Jesus' birth, these angelic beings, these angels, appear to the shepherds. And even the word shepherd is charged with symbolic significance. A shepherd leads sheep. A shepherd is devoted to the sheep. The shepherd heals sheep. And it's a symbol of an evangelizer. It's a symbol of an apostle. And I don't know what kind of spiritual formation these shepherds have had, but the, spirit, the, the scriptural commentators say that they weren't very religious. You know, they were not exemplary people who practiced their Jewish faith. No, they spent lots and lots of time outside with sheep. And they're told that this savior of the world is for everybody. And they're told that he is good news of great joy. That's act number one, the first description of our Lord. He's good news of great joy, and it is the will of God that literally every single person be a recipient of this good news of great joy. The angels don't just tell the shepherds, well, 
Go see this Savior. You're the lucky ones to have this birth of the Messiah revealed. And go visit this divine infant. You've struck it rich. You've hit the supernatural jackpot. Go and visit him. You are recipient, the first recipients of this good news of great joy, and indeed they are. But at the same time, they're told it's got to be announced. This is for everyone, the Jewish people, for everyone. And today's gospel narrates, and it came to pass when the angels had departed from them into heaven, that the shepherds were saying to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And so this is the first, you know, barring his mother and father, the first encounter Jesus would have with individuals. And the first encounter involved adoration. And the first encounter involved dealing with the Blessed Virgin Mary. They could only come to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. And they find Jesus in proximity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, if not in the arms of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so the Gospel is telling us that our relationship with Jesus should be that of adoration. And it had to be adoration. There was no, you know, he's like us in every way but sin, so there was, no, there was not much conversation between the shepherds and the little infant. You know, I don't even think there was baby talk or holding the child. He's too, <coughs> too young. You know, you don't, you don't mess with newborn babies. You know, give, give them a few weeks before you hold them. I don't know. I'm, I'm entering into uh, uncharted territory here. But they were there. And they were... What were they doing? Well, they were adoring. They were contemplating. And this divine infant had a profound effect. And their adoration in this episode was facilitated by the Blessed Mother. I don't know. It's not narrated. It's not recorded. But I'm sure the shepherds, when they met Mary, you know, and Mary, if you will, was not glorified by the assumption and her coronation, so she passed as, you know, she was. Didn't pass as it, but she, she was a village girl, you know. Uh, perfect on the order of goodness and love, but a woman, a Jewish girl, a <coughs> teenage girl, uh, very the easiest person to deal with, and no one will be easier than Our Lady to deal with because no one loved as she did, but it was packaged in a village teenage girl uh, nurturing and nursing her infant. And we could just imagine the shepherds arriving and the shepherds saying, you're not going to believe this, 
but an array of angels appeared to us and uh, we're kind of shaken. You know, that's never happened. You know, we've been seeing sheep for the past 25 years <laughs> and we thought maybe we were seeing things, but it's been told to us that the savior of the world has come and is this the savior of the world? And I'm sure Our Lady said, yes, he is. And guess what? I had, some angel, I had an angel visit me too. You know? And I'm sure she, you know, it's no secret because you know, they're both sharing angelic stories. You know, I got an angel story. Well, I do too. And so did Joseph. And Joseph, by the way, you know, I wasn't as lucky as you. I mean, I got a, an apparition in a dream. And so Mary was speaking about the child to those shepherds, helping them contemplate the child and helping them adore the child because they saw the Blessed Mother adoring. As St. Augustine says, that she was both mother and disciple. So she was adoring the child as mom and she was adoring the child as disciple. And the shepherds were learning quickly from the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we realize that this presence of Christ, this close presence of Christ, had a profound effect on the hearts of the shepherds. Because what happens? The shepherds immediately proclaim our Lord. So they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen, they understood what had been told them concerning this child. How do they understand it? Mary talked to them. They had a relationship with Mary. And all who heard marveled at the things told them by the shepherds. Mary is a big part of their narrative of what they said. I mean, they didn't find, the gospel says to the contrary, they just didn't find a babe in the manger. They found the babe with Mary and Joseph. And so they were able to speak about this divine infant because of their conversation they had with Mary and Joseph. Now, how do I translate this in my daily life? St. Josemaria says, new year, new struggle. Well, we try to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. But the gospel always speaks to us personally. And what do we see here? That this proclamation of Jesus on the part of the shepherds is an overflow of this time of adoration. It wasn't that, hey, listen, I heard some interesting facts from Mary of Nazareth. No, it was more than that. Those shepherds, because that's what being an apostle is all about, it's becoming Christ. And, be, and becoming Christ is the fruit of adoration. And what I want, and we all want, I think I could speak for everybody, you know, Lord, I want my practices of piety 
those practices that comprise my plan of life, my plan of life in Christ. I want them to be acts of adoration. I want them to be a rendezvous with you. And the Holy Spirit points to Mary. Mary will facilitate this. I recall many years ago now, this gentleman was reading uh, Christ is Passing By. And he's, he was not Catholic. And he said, well, after reading this book, I would like to join Opus Dei. And he told me that. He said, because Jose Maria Scriva founded it, and I, I'd li- I think it would be for me. And I said, well, it's not for you yet. And he said, why not? Do you, are there special fees? I said, yes and no. Uh, one fee is that you have to be Catholic first. He said, why? I said, well, because it's an institution of the Catholic Church. So, you know, you can't you know, circumvent that. You've got to first become Catholic, and then you could join an institution of the Catholic Church if it's for you, if God's calling you. And he said, well, I, I'm not there yet. I got, a, I got an issue with the Blessed Mother. You know, with, you know uh, but I like this book because it's so Christ-centered. The author is really connected with Christ. And he's, he even said, he said, he's bringing the gospel alive. And he's bringing it to my daily life. And I said, well, what can I tell you? You, you, you know, you got to become Catholic first. And I was kind of, it was kind of a lesson that not only Mary is compatible with this relationship with Christ. As today's gospel indicates, she is necessary for this intimacy with Christ. What is her role? Her role is to adore Jesus Christ. She helps us adore Jesus Christ. She brings us to Jesus Christ. She helps us contemplate Jesus Christ. That's what she does. And that is what she wants to do. And maybe the sentiment I should have is, okay, this, as every year, but we're starting the new year now, that I want my relationship with Jesus Christ to be marked by adoration. And I have this holy ulterior motive in dealing with the Blessed Mother is I want her to facilitate this life of adoration. And I want to be sensitive to when it's not adoration, you know, which is it's compatible with dryness and uphill. But I want to be sensitive to when I am just fulfilling devotional duties. 
you know, with a little bit of our American legalistic mentality, a lot of that mentality is good, but it could work against us as well, where I'm, I'm fulfilling duties, I'm getting duties out of the way, or I'm rattling off prayers, or I'm checking off devotions. None of us wants to do that. We take to heart these celebrated words of St. Maria. It is necessary, it's not an option, it is necessary that you be a man or woman of God, a man or woman of interior life, a man or woman of prayer and of sacrifice. Your apostolate must be the overflow of your life within. And we address our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, in the company of Mary, that shortcut. That my prayer, my rosary, especially my mass, my communion, is apostolate, is evangelization. Because what is apostolate, and, and our Holy Father emphasizes this, you know, especially, especially given the post-Christian culture, we're not in a Christian culture. And so the theological facts that comprise the teachings of the church, the teachings of Christianity, may not be understood the way it used to be. It's, perhaps it's talking Turkish to someone who only speaks English. But there's a language everybody understands, and that is joy and true, true, true affection. And that's why our Lord says, I bring you good news of great joy, because good news of great joy is meant to be transmitted to others. That is the witness. And this good news of great joy exclusively depends on the interior life. It's not the temporary or transient joy of, of good health or events working our way or being in the right center or having the right people surrounding us or even watching the right movie. But it is piety. And I want to see this overflow, this life of adoration of our Lord really as a service to my apostolate, service to my work of evangelization. Because, especially in this very practical culture, pragmatic culture, bottom line culture, and no one's perfectly happy, that's heaven, and we all have different temperaments, but they need to see that this, whole, this Christianity business works and that Christ is real. And more than being able to explain it theologically, we want to be that good news of great joy, albeit not to the perfection of our Lord or his mother or St. Joseph, but at least participating in that good news of great joy that is a fruit of putting on Jesus Christ. What is this 
life of adoration. But taking to heart the teachings of St. Paul, put on Jesus Christ. I'm putting him on. Going back to a comment of Blessed Alvaro, I heard it myself. He says that our, our plan of life, our acts of piety, our fulfillment of a plan of life. Is, you know, we need a little Spanish here, but uh, the cumplimiento. Cumplimiento is a fine word. It means fulfillment. But if you break it up, as you know, if you break it up into syllables, it has, doesn't mean fulfillment anymore. It means I fulfill and I lie. You know, cumplo imiento. And I don't know how to translate the advice he gave, but he said we have to be sensitive that when we practice piety, when we do the norms of piety, it's not I did it, but I'm, I really didn't do it. You know, it, it can't be cumplo imiento, it has to be, has to be cumplimiento, it needs to be fulfillment. And then he went on to say, and I just don't recall the exact words, but I think he was saying something to the effect that you need to mount your acts of piety the way you're mounting a jewel. Or in, I think in another instance he said, yeah, doesn't really uh, strike home in English, but you have to embroider the norms. You know, maybe anybody who has embroidered could understand that, but... I, I think I could uh, take the uh, poetic license of saying mounting a jewel. You know, the ideas is, I, I think, accurate. Perhaps the exact words are not. But that's what he's saying. This is every, every time we have this encounter with, with our Lord. Again, we read and it's always good to reflect on when St. Josemaria exactly wrote this point in the way. This was when he, at least empirically speaking, saw little results. And he was speaking a new language to those who came to his formative activities, even though that language is as old as the gospel. You must inspire others with love of God and zeal for souls so that they in turn will set on fire many more who are at a third plane who will in their turn spread the flame to their associates. What a lot of spiritual calories you need. What a tremendous responsibility if you let yourself grow cold. And we could address our Lord, Lord, I, I can't inspire anybody. I, you're putting a lot of pressure on me. And let's take the liberty to hear our Lord tell us, no, it's not up to you. You know, I, you know, it's, it's not, I know it's not false humility. You can't inspire anybody on your own. I'm going to inspire through you. 
No, you can't do it on your own, but you can do it with me. It is a question of piety. And I just want you to renew that desire to seek me out. And I want you to resolve to do it with my mother. Because we fast forward, even past the ascension, and again, we see the apostles intensely praying, adoring, in preparation for Pentecost. And who's there? The mother of Jesus. She is that secret behind evangelization. As, as we know, there's, there's no hidden secret that all the saints, but we're more familiar with the modern saints, we can take our pick. We got our own St. Jose Maria, Blessed Alvaro. Now we have a couple of venerables thrown in there, lay people, you know, Monse, Isidoro. And um, reading the biography of, of Monse and uh, what marked her life. A lot of adoration of our Lord. Tremendously facilitated by her devotion to Mary and many graces. And in the book, I just, perhaps you've read it, it's what is very emphasized, and she's under this very painful condition, and, you know, fatigue and, you know, all the rest of it. Joy, tremendous joy. And there's no rhyme or reason, but, well, she's intimately united through Mary with this good news of great joy through her own life of piety. And, you know, they would ask her, you know, what, what are you trying to say? You know, you know, she's in bed, she's so, she's weakened and she's dying and, and you know, the director of the center is saying, well, what are you saying? You know, I'm saying aspirations. So sometimes she had something to say, but many times she was saying aspirations. Um, almost implying, okay, you can leave me alone. I'm tr trying to say aspirations, you know. We end our prayer, turning our attention to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary, help us resolve. Foster that disposition so that this new year be marked by adoration because my work of evangelization, my work of apostolate, convert me to that deep truth that I need a whole lifetime to convert to this. That my witness of, you, of your son is in function of my interior life. My, and I can't do it on my own. That's why we go to you, our shortcut. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you for listening to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. For more resources and podcasts like this one, go to saintjosemaria.org. That is saintjosemaria.org.